So the strategy here, right, was to come in as like, how do we bring this together? How does sales work with marketing and marketing work with sales to get the most out of every channel? So it's not just how do we do better with inbound, but it's also how we do better with outbound. The B2B Marketing Exchange was created with one goal in mind, to help B2B practitioners across marketing, sales, and operations be better at their jobs. Packed with inspiring keynotes and tactical breakouts, B2BMX has blossomed into a must-attend event for anyone in the B2B realm. Now, we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. With the series, we'll revisit some of our favorite sessions and have follow-up conversations with some of the industry's top leaders and innovators. These are the tips and tools you need to succeed. This is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Alicia Esposito, Senior Content Strategist for Demand Gen Report, and welcome to Episode 3 of the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Now, this session from B2B SMX received extremely positive feedback from our attendees. Of the reasons why, I would say it's probably their unorthodox view of marketing and sales in general, their affinity for swear words, and their blunt, upfront approach to presenting. And the best part of this session is the folks at Patient Pop really dug deep, offering real examples and best practices from campaigns that they created. And these campaigns weren't just any old campaigns. They blended inbound and outbound strategies, something that you may have heard about. It's called Allbound. Don't take my word for it. Just listen in and get inspired. All right, y'all. What up? How we feeling? We good? Good? All right, cool, sweet. So we're going to move fast here because we want to cover a lot, and we're actually going to get very tactical. We have screenshots. We have word-for-word scripting and emails that we're going to go through. And the way we want this to run is we're going to go quickly because we do want to get to the Q&A at the end. And we would like those questions because that's where you can ask really specific how-to questions. And so we're down for that. So we're going to fly. We'll talk fast. I can swear during this, right? Someone? You guys, am I good with your share? Fuck yeah, let's go. All right, let's do it. So, quick intro, Kevin Dorsey, VP of Inside Sales at Patient Pop. Um, last year was named top 10 Inside Sales Leader, Sales Dev Executive of the Year, a couple other random awards that people just make up and I can put behind my name on LinkedIn, which is really cool. Um, but more than anything, I love sales, I love marketing, and so we joke about this a lot, is like, I think like a marketer, act like a salesperson, and I'm really excited to be here talking with my VP of marketing, Jared Jost. Yeah, so I'm Jared, uh, like Kevin likes to think like a marketer, I at times think that I can think like a salesperson, um, yes. but I always defer to Kevin. Uh, I've came into Patient Pop about two years ago really to build up a demand generation program and align marketing functions around demand gen so that we could scale uh, what we're doing at Patient Pop. So a little bit about Patient Pop if you're not familiar. Uh, we're a platform for independent healthcare providers to, to promote their practice online, attract patients, and retain them for life. So we're typically uh, working with, with provider or practices that have about one to 15 providers, and I'd say our sweet spot's in that one to five provider range. So Typical practice might have three doctors, physician's assistant, a nurse or two, and then the office staff to support it. So it's a small business deal. We have a high velocity where we'll see leads coming in and converting to revenue in about four weeks. Um, and, and usually it's a single decision maker with maybe some support that it's the office staff person who helps kind of vet, vet the solution because at the end of it, they're usually the one that runs it uh, day in and day out. 
And when it comes down to competition, we're really dealing with a lot of times it's someone trying to do it their own. It might be a nephew that can build them a website and they get an SEO or a digital marketing consultant and they're piecing together a bunch of solutions. So we're really going up against the, the kind of multiple solutions versus us and providing an all-in-one solution for them. So we started, we were founded in 2014. Um, and since 2015 and on, we've had triple digit growth rates. So we've had really strong growth. It was really built on the back of our sales organization. So the account executives and the field sales reps were out there prospecting, uh, going searching like dermatologists in Boston and then going to page three on the results and, and pulling that in. As we kind of continue to grow, it was proving to get harder and harder. So we had to really start to scale the demand gen function and start to see what could grow. So that's kind of where I came in. And uh, a story I like to share is, my first week in the office, I sat down with the two SDRs that were following up with inbound leads. And I say, hey, how do you like to work with marketing? How often do you talk to them? And, and how do you know which leads to follow up with? And they responded by saying, we haven't talked to marketing in about a month. And we just kind of hunt through Salesforce and try to find it. So um, we were doing OK with demos, but there was so much room to improve. Mm -hmm. And so when I came in, similar story, I sat down with the SDRs and said, OK, like walk me through how often we touch these leads. And we were touching leads on average of three times. We weren't sending emails to the leads. Our speed to lead was, I mean, in the hours, sometimes days, sometimes leads didn't get touched. And it was actually mind-blowing. I couldn't believe like we had seen all the results. Jared's building this machine of leads. I mean, leads are just coming in. And this is where salespeople, like, we're so fucked up, right? So <laughs> it's either one or the other. Either there's not enough leads, and we complain to marketing that there's not enough leads. And if marketing gives a lot of leads, what do we complain about? <laughs> They're not good enough leads, like, good Lord. So we're blessed to have a situation where we have a lot of leads coming in, but then they were being treated like we have a lot of leads coming in and it wasn't going the way that it needed to. And then production was, it's hard to say low. We were hitting the numbers, but there was so much more potential that we could hit if we actually did things the right way. It's what I actually leave, lose the most sleep over is we're getting results, not doing things the right way. So what happens if we do? So the strategy here, right, was to come in as like, how do we bring this together? How does sales work with marketing and the marketing work with sales to get the most out of every channel? So it's not just how do we do better with inbound, but it's also how we do better with outbound. And so what we've done since I've been at Patient Pop is now nine months. One, we have weekly meetings with marketing. So me and the leadership team on sales meets with marketing every single week. We also have meetings with reps to marketing every single week to talk about some of the things we're gonna go through in this presentation and to have the tough conversations, right? So, have you ever yelled at me for something that my sales team was doing? Once or twice. Once or twice. I know he looks month. very friendly <laughs> and jovial, but he's ferocious if his leads aren't being worked the right way. But we can have that conversation. He can come to me and say, yo, your team is not working the leads the way that they're supposed to. And I have to own that. The flip side is also true. I can go to Jerry and say, this asset isn't converting well. And I know that because we're doing the right things. We are following up, we are doing the steps, it's not converting well. Pull that shit, give me something new, right? But we have to have those conversations and then bring them together, right? So if we go to the next slide here. Bow. There you go. There we go. So we'll talk about how we measure this first. How do we, like what we actually look at and then we'll go into the actual strategy. Yeah, so we're, pretty much just tracking demo booked and revenue. Those were the kind of the two indicators that we would say, are we doing well? But what we were missing is kind of like what's happening before the demo gets booked, 
what's the demo composition, and then what's driving the success of the overall program from a content and campaign aspect. So some of the first trackings that we put in was really time to first touch. So how long is it taking an SDR to make that first human personalized touch? And then how many times are they working that lead before they either convert it to an opportunity, disqualify it, or move it back to nurture? Uh, and then we were looking at, you know, we were tracking performance on the content and the marketing programs based on the asset type. So how the white papers do? How did webinars do? How did case studies do? So it was very general, and we couldn't pick out which pieces of content specifically were driving the results. So we brought things in where we could then track down to the asset title. What's the book rate off that asset? What's the win rate and the revenue being generated from that asset? And then the next thing was trying to understand Who's on the demo? Is it a decision maker or is it an influencer? How long is it taking to go from lead to demo booked, demo booked to demo performed, demo performed to win? So what this really built as we look at this is we now have touch points at each part of the buying process. And we can start to see if things are deviating from kind of a norm or, or what we've agreed to. We can start to pinpoint those. We can drill down and see maybe what are some of the, the issues and then find solutions, work with the team, coach them. Um, and also, if, it, you know, if it's just not working, we can go back to the campaign itself and, and revamp everything and uh, scale up the ones that are doing well and, and dial down the ones that are not. When it comes to metrics, you want to make sure you always have behavioral metrics, too. A lot of orgs just look at the end result. Demos booked, revenue, that's the result. But you have to, have to be able to track the behaviors, how many touches, how often they're being touched, how often do we get in touch with the decision maker. Those types of metrics that show you the behaviors of the team matter just as much as the ones that happen at the end. So this is a big one, right? So when I first came into Patient Pop, first I spent my first two weeks in CS talking to customers. And the next I moved over to marketing. And I sat down with our demand gen people. Marketing knows prospect behavior better than sales. I'll say that again. Marketing knows what prospects do better than sales because they do it without human interaction, right? So I sit down with demand gen and I want to know, what are our highest click-through rate ads? What headlines get clicked the most? What is the keyword search volume that drives most of our traffic? Because if I can learn how prospects behave without sales engagement or with involvement, I can put that into outbound, right? I want to know which images get clicked the most, right? Marketers are significantly better testers and optimizers than salespeople, significantly better. By the time I walked in, let's see, you'd been there for a year and a half, right? About a, yeah, a little over a year. How many keyword tests had you run by that time? Oh gosh, uh, probably hundreds by that point in time. Right, so yeah. he already has been testing keywords hundreds of times by the time I walk in. So where can I put those keywords? Before I answer, I'm gonna see, what do you think I could do if I know what keywords are being searched? Where can I put those? Anyone have an idea? Can I put that as an email subject line? If I know what headlines are most powerful, could I maybe put that in the first sentence of my email? If I know which assets are the best, I can use them. But on the flip side, I can go to marketing and say, this is how, sale, or how the prospects actually talk. Here are the objections that we're getting. So I need content that handles this objection. This is what they're afraid of. I need content that speaks to this type of stuff. Hey, we're hearing this, and we can go back and forth yeah. on it. So here's a perfect example. I don't know if you guys can see this on the big screen, right? So we have an ad here. 72% of patients say the first step in finding new doctors, checking online reviews. And this is a high-performing inbound ad. So what can I do with that ad copy? I take it and I send it outbound, right? So now when I'm doing outbound targeting, I have it right here. I can put the same stat in here. Now what you want to notice on this framework of email, 
when do we talk about patient pop? What line does patient pop actually get brought up? It's the end. Who are the first few sentences about? We have a curiosity builder in the first sentence. Love them or hate them, online reviews have changed the way doctors run their practices forever. Does that build curiosity for someone to open up that email? Quick tip, first sentence trumps the subject line. I was talking about this with a few people last night. That first sentence trumps it. If you look at your email right now on your phone, you read the first sentence. This is where headlines go, is I can get that in there. Next, education, 72%. I haven't been to your practice, tell a story. Then we get to patient pop, right? So I can go to Jared, what's the best ad, and send it outbound. And we get a way higher open and response rate when I'm using what we know works. So here's something that everyone in here needs to do. WWTCS, what would the customer say? Okay, this is also what's sad though about sales and marketing people. We never talk to customers. Think about that for a second. Salespeople talk to prospects. Marketers, I don't know who y'all talk to. Who do you talk to? To people. To people, right? You look at dashboards and data. Here's the thing. You go talk to 30 customers. If you want to write better, who wants to write better emails? Quick show of hands. Who wants to write better ads? Okay, let your customers help you do this. So when you sit down, you ask them, what does our product do for you? Is it very possible the way you describe your product is different than the way your customers describe your product? Okay. When I came into Patient Pop, you know how we described our product? What was it? A, a practice growth platform. Practice growth platform. Okay, do you think any doctor in the history of doctoring has ever sat down after an eight hour day of surgery, sat down, tired, exhausted, and goes, man, you know what I need? I need a practice growth platform. That's what, that's, that's what I need, right? They don't describe it that way, but that's how we were describing it in our messaging and on our website, in our videos. It's not how they talk. Why did you buy? What problems were you trying to solve? What were you afraid of? What's changed since you purchased and what's your favorite part of the product? This is your email cadence. This is your voicemail, this is your ad copy. If you know what problems they were solving, you can now put that into your messaging. If you knew what they were afraid of before they bought, you can now put that into your messaging. You can handle those fears before you have engaged with it, but talk to your customers. I actually got in trouble when I first started at Patient Pop because I called like 50 of our customers without talking to CS. Just called them, asked them these questions so I could learn how they actually talked, right? And if they never say practice growth platform, I'm never going to say it. So please go do this, I promise you. Your ads, your emails, your scripting, everything will get better if you let your customers build for you. So coming back to the content, so we have a variety of content, both kind of early in the funnel, mid-stage, late-stage content. And so what we're trying to do is drum up interest and start to build our retargeting audiences and get people coming through. So uh, we take that early-stage content, maybe it's a blog post or a short video, we get them engaged with that, then we start to push them down into, you know, maybe it's a white paper that explores uh, a topic uh, a little bit more, or a webinar, uh, or prop up some case studies. Um, and a lot of times we do the case study targeting based on a doctor's specialty. So we have a, a library of them to target um, to those people. And then as we're able to identify top content, we can see conversion rates to demo, we can see demo to, to win, we can start to turn on campaigns or ramp up campaigns that were performing well and we can also bring them down if they're not performing well. And one thing that we, in this process with, with Kevin and his leadership team is, anytime we have a new piece of content that's gonna drive a lead to sales, we give them the content first. And we say, hey, can you go out and, and book a demo if someone downloads this case study or this white paper or attends this webinar? If we get an answer that's, 
no, we say, okay, then we're gonna move on. If they give a maybe, we say, okay, let's explore that. What could we change in this content to, to start to give you that opportunity? And then that starts them in the process of, of building the cadence and identifying what other pieces of content, what other calls to action they wanna have in that email campaign. And that instantly helps us uh, increase book rates out of the gate. Yeah, and so with that, if marketing has a great asset that again, prospects are downloading without a salesperson involved, do you think it also might be valuable if I take that inbound asset and send it outbound? If I know it's being read and utilized by the industry, I can take that asset and send it outbound, and then we bucket our campaigns. So for white papers, we have, how many white papers I don't know, we've 70. got like 20 or 30 running per month, but they go into categories. So I have an inbound cadence for any white paper download that has to do with reviews, any white paper download that has to do with competition, any white paper download that has to do with social media, they go into a cadence that stays, like stays in that track and uses that messaging based on the assets that they're downloading. So I don't need 20 different cadences, I got three cadences based on the buckets knowing what type of content they're downloading. If they downloaded something on reviews, what should every email talk about across that cadence? I'm gonna engage with y'all here. This isn't, this isn't Dora Explorer where I ask the question, I blink three times and answer my own question. This is for y'all, right? Like, if I know it, it should talk about reviews the whole time. That's how we build like the super cadences as we go through. So here's some examples. Uh, we got uh, landing pages up there that are driving to the content. These are, you know, typical content that we're running, and then we're tracking the behavior and the engagement off that. And you can see here um, on the sales case how we're able to pull in and let the rep specialize it down to what specialty the doctor is. And we've got pre-built kind of snippets of images that they can embed into the email to show how an orthopedic surgeon, if they're following with an orthopedic surgeon, how they've performed and the results that they've seen. Um, and so that just gives it kind of integration back and forth where we can see what's performing well, let's get that in there, and let's get the resources at the fingertips of the reps. And something to remember, salespeople, visuals are more powerful than words, right? I think it's like 20 to 30% of our brain is dedicated to vision alone. So the, if you go back real quick, so right here, those images at the bottom there, right? That's me going to marketing saying, take this testimonial and make it visual. Make it an image that I can also put into an email. It gets clicked more often, but when they can see it like this, it gives it an extra bit of clout. So salespeople go to marketing and say, this line or this phrase or this or whatever is working, make it pretty. Because I don't make pretty shit. I make ugly documents like that. Marketing puts them together. But get your testimonials, your stats, your figures, like visual. Put those into outbound emails as well. All right, and just here's a quick shot. So this is a dashboard that we track uh, the content performance, so leads, demos booked, booked rate, wins, win rate. So this was early, taken at the beginning of August, so it wasn't quite populated to the full thing. And then you, again, you can see some of our top content uh, is making its way into uh, the sales cadence here. So as I kind of referenced earlier, we go to sales beforehand to make sure the content's gonna be good. When we do more kind of full-scale campaigns, uh, where maybe we're gonna build a target list, gonna pull in a direct mail, we sit down, we talk through what audiences do we want to go through, what sort of content do we want to feature, what's been performing well, what sales ready to go after, and then how are we going to integrate kind of the direct mail component, online piece, and then the, the kind of the person-to-person -person outreach. So we're coordinating across all of these different channels to make sure that it's a online and offline, real-time conversation that's threaded over many weeks. 
Um, and then again, as people start to engage, we're able to then retarget them and bring them back into our audiences and, and build that. Um, and then at the end of this process, we're able to look at the results, see what's happening, and start to see, okay, how many are going back into nurture? What do we need to do there to get them back and re-engage them? Um, and how many are going to qualify them? What's that process look like for them? Yeah. And that retargeting is huge, right? So in some of our outbound cadences, I literally have emails designed just to get a click. I don't even want a response. I'm truly trying to drive the click, because if I can get them to click, what can marketing do? Retarget them. Okay, like, dude, his squad are stalkers, right? These ads yeah. follow these people everywhere, yeah. right? So perfect example, the email, I think, on the other one had the competitive scanner. So the competitive scanner is an inbound asset that people can fill out to like learn how they rank on their competition. I'll take that inbound asset and send it outbound, right? And get a 10 to 12% click rate on cold emails. Okay, 10 to 12% click through rate. Now his ads are following that person yeah. everywhere they go online. Do you think that warms up my cold call? Warms up my email? And then two weeks later they get a box from in the mail, right? Like we're trying to be everywhere they can be. So it's like salespeople, marketers can follow them online, get them to click, right? And if you're trying to cold call, right? Who are my cold callers at? Whoa, hold up, hold up. There's only three cold callers in here? Okay, well, does anyone call people on the phone? Anyone? There we go, okay, cool. What's a more powerful opener? Hey, I wanna talk to the boss, or hey, I sent the boss an email on a competitive scanner. I see that he clicked it, and I wanna walk him through how to do it the right way. You're gonna get through gatekeepers faster that way too when you're actually referencing what's happening, right? So take the inbound assets and send them out. Yeah, and just to Kevin's point, we, we served over 24 million assets or ads last quarter, and that's through our targeted programmatic campaigns as well as our, our retargeting campaigns. All right. So we're doing direct mail, we're doing vidyards, we do email, we do calls, we have the retargeting based off where they went on the website, right? It's just doing all the steps to squeeze as much pipeline out as we go through this. So then after we get through this process, so a lead will come in inbound or maybe sales will do their outbound prospecting. They get it to an opportunity, it's closed loss. Or they get through and it's not the right timing or they, you know, they can't get a hold or really get that, that prospect engaged that funnels right back into our nurture program. And then we're running the same new contents coming out. We've got webinar programs, we've got white papers, case studies, reports, anything to try to drum up some more interest and re-engage that prospect. And then that feeds right back into, once we get them to a point where they're saying, starting to show interest, and it might be in a different topic where maybe they were focusing on reviews before. This point might be on SEO and how they improve their online ranking. And we can bring them back in and run them through a new sales cadence and re-engage re those leads. And these actually end up being some of our most successful campaigns. We're re-engaging leads that came in or deals that, that weren't able to close one um, in a quarter. So these are some of the tools. Everyone loves to talk like stack. These is, this is the stack that we use, right? So you need a sales process and communication tool, right? So that's the sales lofts, the outreaches, the Apollos, like something that manages all these, right? So if someone comes in, they go through these types of steps. So we use sales loft, marketing automation. We use Marketo, direct mail. We use PFL, right? Like you need, like I'm telling you, direct, don't sleep on direct mail. Direct mail works and it works very, very well. I get maybe anywhere from 60 to 70 cold emails per day as a VP of sales. I get 30 to 40 LinkedIn messages per day. My phone lights up all day, right? You know how many pieces of direct mail I've gotten in the past six months? Four, four pieces of direct mail, 
that I've gotten this year, right? And I haven't gotten any that were multiple from the same company. It's just like a one and done, right? If you send multiple, stand out. Direct mail fucking works if you do it the right way. Meeting scheduling and routing. Copywriting services, right? This is one. If you have a great copywriting team, great. A lot of salespeople don't know how to write great copy. That's Jerry and I were going to get along. We sat down within the first 10 minutes. We're talking copy all day long, right? The Gary Kellers, Dan Kennedys, right? The ultimate sales letter type shit. Learn how to write copy. And if you don't know how, hire someone, right? Most sales emails suck. They really do. And then also a lot of marketing emails suck. They really do. Have someone help build it, all right? Yeah. Video prospecting, we use Vidyard. We use that as well. That's a great middle and like end bottom of funnel tool. And then sales call and recording. Right, so we listen to calls, we record them, we train on them every single week. So actually saying the right things. And this is also where I can give feedback to um, Jared in marketing. What are the prospects saying? What are the customers saying? I can look up competition. I can put it in there. Show me all the calls that deal with the competition. Who is the competition? Okay, this is who we need to deal with, right? So this is our stack. It's relatively lean. We don't have to do a lot more than this. This is what we work with, and this is how you have to get the most out of everything. So uh, quick results. So uh, at the end of Q2, we had a 60% increase year over year on marketing sourced revenue. And a lot of what drove that is, you know, once we started to see a reduction in the time to, to first touch, we saw our demo book rates go up. We had people engaged, we were getting them through faster, so the performed rate went up. When you have those two things kind of building on each other, you get the revenue results that we saw. It's almost every channel has improved over the past six months, and it's because of what we've been doing. Inbound, way up, but then outbound over 2x outbound pipeline production in the last six months, and it's because we're taking what we're learning from marketing and utilizing it. But then at that bottom there too, our close rates are higher, our ACV is higher, our total revenue is higher because we're leveraging all the insights we're getting from marketing to sales and also sales back up to marketing to who to track and who to go after. And what's crazy is we can still get better. We're still far from perfect in terms of all these things, but we are making the progress to get here, and it's paying off in a big, big way right now. So I mean, I guess to close this up before we get to Q&A, one, close the loop, right? Sales and marketing, you need to actually work together. There are things that salespeople are better at than marketers. There are also things that marketers you, are better at than salespeople. That's fine, it's not about egos. I actually want what he's better at than I am so I can use it and then take what I'm better at and give it to them so they yeah. can use it. You should work together. There shouldn't be a clash between inbound and outbound. Enable all bound, inbound, outbound, direct mail, calling, video, emails. You have to be everywhere your prospects are. And then this last part, this is huge. Test it, measure it, optimize, repeat, right? If something doesn't work, it's okay. You know it didn't work, you try something else, right? Um, this actually just happened the other month. We had a new asset go out. It didn't convert well. Guess who pulled it? Who raised their hand to pull it? Sales or marketing? Who do you think was like, this asset sucks? It was marketing, and I love that because that means they're being proactive. They're looking at the metrics and going, hey, this asset we put out there is not working. We're gonna pull it. That's how it should work versus saying, hey, sales, why isn't this asset working? If you do this, you can 2x, 3x, sometimes 4x revenue and pipeline by going through this process. So that's what we've got for today. Questions? Yes. Um, 
know if this is on. Yeah, oh, it's go. on now. Um, so we're measured on conversion rate and cost per lead. So what is your guys's policy on gated versus ungated content when you're doing ads? Yeah, so um, initially what we did was everything was gated. Um, case studies were gated. Everything was gated. If we were paying money to drive traffic to that asset, it was gated. We've since kind of lightened up where we, we're doing a, a lot to build up our audience. So we're doing a lot of targeted ads to feature blog posts, get people engaged with the PatientPop platform because we know we're going to pick them up in the retargeting campaigns. And then we can start to tailor and, and segment those campaigns. So top of the funnel, mid-stage, and start to push them down. So definitely we've evolved in our process there. And we hold our reps accountable to lead conversion numbers yeah. as well. We put it in front of them every single week. If they're not hitting their lead conversions, we'll pull inbound yeah. leads from them. And I, I'd add one thing. So and I, as, a, as the head of marketing, I'm tracking the efficiency of every dollar spent and what it's yielding in, in pipeline and revenue. So if we start to see things get too high or too low, we will go back and kind of tweak the mix that we have. I don't know, I'm just pointing at people at this point. Uh, I see you're using SalesLoft. Do you partner together to build the cadences, and are they standardized cadences for inbound and outbound, or are they personalized? Can you tell us about that? Yes. So as of right now, sales actually handles most of the cadence building. We run messaging by marketing for sure and look for insights because I'm also a horrible speller, so someone has to check me, right? So we work there, and then they are standardized. But if we had more emails up there, there's a lot of places where it says insert X personalization or insert this screenshot so the reps have to go do something. One more and then we, we're hopping off. What up? Are we, are we cutting us? So our industry is kind of interesting, right? We're going after sole proprietor private practices. Discover Org, Zoom Info, they're not great for it. We've tested them and see. We have to go through other routes, web scrapers, things like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's. Yeah. So they do it. No, nothing's template templatized. Fucking word, I don't know. Nothing's templated. We have the framework of how it should cover, and we have five different scripts that they can go through, but they are doing it custom for each one. And we're actually testing this right now. Like, we're doing a Vidyard day next week. Like, legit, we're gonna send out 50, 60 Vidyards per rep across an entire day to see what the, because we're seeing such great engagement. Back to testing and optimizing, same shit. We're doing Vidyards now to our inbound leads too, right? So, to see what works, do more of it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the B2B Marketing Exchange podcast. To receive future episodes, be sure to subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. And if you're hungry for more B2B best practices, join us at the 2020 B2B Marketing Exchange, coming to Scottsdale, Arizona from February 24th to 26th. You'll have access to more than 100 sessions focused on content marketing, demand gen, ABM, and so much more. Save 25% on your pass by using discount code B2BPOD. That's B2BPOD. We hope to see you there.